I haven't seen you since the play. Yahoo! There's something interesting. Once she started getting those big Hollywood checks, the movies she decides to take outside of the, you know, the one particular <laughs> franchise she's most known for are all movies <laughs> about have something to do with our relationship to the female form have something to do with either its separation or weaponization. And I think for someone that is as sexualized as she is, you know, people's sexiest woman alive, obviously like Avengers movies are 30% shots of her ass. Like, and, (laughs) and the movies she decides to do outside of those are almost all about our relationship to the female form in some capacity or another. And that's fascinating. Boring. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, I well, mean, yeah. the female form I mean, means something totally differently to me, though, you know? like Completely true. I mean, it's her work? idea. Yeah, of yeah, she's a is. decent actress, but, like, am I going to go out of my way to see her? No, unless it is for the one franchise where I will throw my morals out the window because I'm a stupid fanboy and that is anything made by Marvel. <laughs> <laughs> right, I understand. Um, anyway, I think that's interesting. I like to explore... You know, when the actors get those, that cachet that is more than just, I am a popular movie star, to, I am now getting projects made that I am at least a partial architect of. And I think it's interesting, like, what they choose to do sure. in that space. John Favreau makes movies you know? about himself. Yeah, exactly. Right. And Favreau's always been both, you know, but right, I've, most of what he makes is, like, uh, autobi- <laughs> everything outside of Disney is autobiographical, right? Like, everything outside of Disney is like, this is a movie about me. Even Swingers, uh, which we were talking about the other day, because John Favreau showed up as himself yeah. on The Sopranos. I haven't seen it either. I, I won't, like, lie to you. <laughs> <laughs> never seemed never seemed that interesting. Uh, but I one day, maybe, just to, like, complete the, the Favreau loop. Though I'll never see all the Favreau movies, because he, he does, like, live-action Disney movies, which I have no interested oh, if no. like Lion i will King's never okay. see it wasn't great i, I like he's okay but i i mean i i honestly the best thing that came out of that was the beyonce album uh right? fucking I mean, donald glover plays simba it's incredible <laughs> i mean donald glover's amazing and everything you know what actually caleb that and donald glover swings into the scene and goes akuna matata starts singing akuna matata i was like huh my king wow. okay Donald Glover singing Akuna Matana is the only reason now that I've ever wanted to see that movie, and now it's enough. And then to make he and Beyonce singing "Can You Feel the Love Tonight" together. Just go to you're, Spotify. You're you don't need you're to lying. watch no, the whole. I movie. No, I want to watch. Beyonce is Nala. Beyonce is Nala, and fucking Donald Glover is Simba, and so they sing okay. "Can You Feel yeah. the Love Tonight" together, and I'm it's Disney. incredible. Guess I'm gonna watch a shitty Disney movie. <laughs> don't do that. Don't do. That's don't right. do that to yourself. That's two hours of your life. Don't well, do this. I, I will spend. Uh, hey, look, Donald Glover and Beyonce are people I would spend two hours for. But for like a 
worse remake of a night like a, a, a remake of I a mean, 90 minute movie I that feel, they add 30 like, I feel minutes like if to i spent enough time to watch live action remake of beauty and the beast i can do i can mm-hmm. i can mm-hmm. take some time to watch lion king i feel mm-hmm. like if i prioritize that i should at least prioritize donald glover and beyonce you don't need to agree with me, Kevin. That's fine. I'm just saying. I, I mean, if you're like, well, I already shot myself in the foot. I might as well, like, shoot myself in the dick while I'm at it. Like, if no, I have this bullet that's... hole, I might as well shoot another also, one. Also, uh, Chiwetel Ejiofor plays Scar. And the Be Prepared version that he sings is also very good. Okay, Caleb, I don't know how you've managed to change my desire to watch a movie so quickly. I don't want to... By, by telling you the cast members? I, I wasn't paying attention. I remember being like, wow. It was like, I remember being really stoked about it, specifically because of the cast, and then the reviews came out, and I was like, oh, no, I don't want to watch this, and then forgot <laughs> who was in it. And now that it's just, like, not in theaters, and it's like, I, it's on Disney+. Plus. What am I going to do? Spend no more money than I'm already spending to waste... I'll watch it while I'm... I'm not going to say You I'm can do whatever you want. Work. You, you <laughs> like, don't have to justify yourself to me. I just, I value you and your time. And I just, I want you. Well, I'm glad someone <laughs> does, because I don't. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> Apparently, I have to look out for you. <laughs> Apparently, like, because because Daddy Host has to be so protective of two actual children that when Daddy Host is around us, they're, he's like, activate your worst impulses. <laughs> <laughs> Behave badly. Yourselves. I don't give a shit. <laughs> Go to war. <laughs> Right now, I keep real humans alive every day. <laughs> right yeah, now, I have to. <laughs> you, go for it. So you two <laughs> are getting thrown to the fucking dude. wolves. You have to keep things breathing. What the <laughs> yeah. hell? Fuck. And they're not just like yeah. that. Well, I mean, one of them basically is a cat that pukes on me all the time. And sure. the other one is I mean... a, a toddler that doesn't give a fuck about anything I think. So I was like, can we kiss goodnight? And she was like, and leaned away from me. And I was like, I mean, that's rude. I was like, come on, give me a kiss. And she leaned away. And then I was like, all right, cool. And started to walk away, and she went, no, no. And I was like, oh, wait, you want to give me a kiss? And she was like, no, I don't. <laughs> I was like, fuck you, kid. That's rude. <laughs> you were like, okay, kiss. And she was like, no. And then you walk away, and then she was like, wait, don't walk away from me. <laughs> yeah, don't walk away from me. I want to say no to your face, you little idiot. I was like, oh, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> this is your daughter to Break. you. Yeah, no, that's my daughter to me. I don't say that to my daughter. No, I didn't. Oh, I, I, I fear my own death. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I might be keeping her alive, but she could kill me. One day, she's going to have to keep me alive, so I want to make sure that there's goodwill no, I, I in this I raising my children on Sith principles where they have to <laughs> defeat me to move on. They will have to kill you like to Ron become Swan's the master. Like Parks and Rec. Like... <laughs> the ultimate Sith. The, the true Sith, Ron Swanson. <laughs> uh, I try... No, go ahead. No, I was gonna jump into community. <laughs> what? Wow! Let's, do it. Let's fucking do it. What? The first time okay, ever, like yeah, thirteen we're... minutes in, we're like, oh, this thing that we normally do. I had a quick, we're quick like, button up show. Let's fucking let's. Do, I'm. I let's would fucking be do it. If we could do it. <laughs> Can I, I mean, get out under nine thirty. Like the... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, ten thirty. The full, the full intro thing just yet, but I wanted to pose a question to help us get into get in the mood. Okay. You know, I think. Uh-huh. Um, uh, I mean, <laughs> this, this episode is, uh, my question is, did this episode come first or did the episode of Black Mirror that's exactly This episode the same came episode? first. Okay. This episode came I first. I thought so. So Black Mirror 
went, hey, remember that episode where Tim and Eric went on Community? What if we did that, but, like, not funny? What if we did... It's one of those, like, amazing times where, like, you've seen something parodied a thousand times, and then you see something that does it with a completely straight face, exactly like the parody did it, and you're like... I didn't know you could still do this. I thought we had outlawed. Like, it's impossible for me to watch any musical biopic after Walk Hard. Like, now that I've seen Walk Hard, I cannot watch any movie about, like, a historical figure. Because you just... Yeah, you're just like, watch. I'm like, there's no way for me to watch Rocket Man. Because, like, every scene in Rocket Man is a scene from Walk Hard with no jokes. And I'm like, I would rather just watch Walk Hard. Thank you very much. Um, but yeah, this this episode uh, preceded. And, you know, obviously, it's I don't I don't know if the creators of Black Mirror watched this episode and said, mm, steal it. I, I doubt it was actively, like... Yeah, it's one of those, like, simultaneous think, like, obviously, this is a large topic that a lot of people are thinking about. This is not... That I mean, obviously doing it like Logan's run is a crazy concept, but like the idea of like a social website dictating the hierarchies, like that that's a pretty like A to B idea. Was, there was another episode that was loosely based on some sort of dystopian. There was one that had a lot of 1984 references, right? I assume that's every episode of Black Mirror. I've, no, I've not, not Black Mirror, sat... community. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I the... The subway no, one, but 19- also this one. Oh, the but also one. this, no, this one definitely gave nineteen eighty four vibes. But that's right, subway one was pretty explicitly. I maybe they, they like literally love... quote sub or quote subway nineteen eighty four. They literally <laughs> quote nineteen eighty four. They quote subway. Yeah, they say yeah, they, fresh so many times they in that episode. pull a copy of nineteen eighty four off of a shelf and read it at one point in that episode. Yeah. Like, they're not they're not well, trying to hide this. They're, illusion. they're not wasting any time. They're straight to the point. Yeah, I yeah. think, I don't know, maybe it's because I'm a huge fan of, like, dystopian, uh, somewhat sci-fi-influenced, like, political sci-fi. I, I redundancy much, but, like... <laughs> the, the, sci-fi, political sci-fi, dystopian episode, sci-fi. It's all, it's, all, it's all one big casserole. Anyway, we... <laughs> one big, really bad place, bad seasoned casserole. <laughs> <laughs> One like really overdone casserole where you're like, man, I like green bean casserole, but like again, because it's done every year and it's put in your grandma's like passed down casserole dish, and it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. it did, and everyone hates it, but everyone takes some except that one little cousin that unironically loves it, and everyone's kind of scared of them. You know, I've that was me. I've heard so many stories recently, specifically of like those casseroles that like they have that family members make that people hate that like they have a significant other or another or no they're like they have a they have a significant other or another family member that's like they really love it so every time they go to that holiday they have to eat it because someone has lied that they love it and that's Mm -hmm. so sadistic to me that someone be like you like grandma's casserole right they're like no and they're like, sweet, Grandma, they love your casserole. Make it every time. That's so fucking mean. <laughs> that's a, that's a I, real fuck Okay, up wait, thing. hold on. Okay, I have to tell this story because it's super relevant. So, um, hi, my name's Jace. I'm white. Um, I like green bean casserole. So, um, I don't... Uh, well, I mean, like me too. green bean casserole all the time. No, I, I get made fun of by my roommate because they're like, only white people like green bean casserole. And I'm like, I don't think that's true, but I'll gladly wear that badge. 
It's tasty. It's okay oh. sometimes if it's done right when it gets a little crispy brown onions on top. Fuck yeah. Yes, yes. Matchbox with it. It's gonna be like ninety percent crispy fried onions and like I mean, canned green beans. I don't want fresh. <laughs> I don't want like fresh, like full green beans. I want from the can, like French cut green beans that are just. It is one of those. It is like no, the re- it's like it's like when you get like a bacon, egg, and cheese bagel or something like that. And if it's not like a slice of American cheese, you're like, this is wrong. Like I don't even really I, I love mean, American whoa, cheese, whoa, but whoa, like whoa. that is what goes on <laughs> that sandwich construction. Kevin, I love you. You're so wrong, but that is a that's totally the different... default. If you don't specify, that's what oh. they put on there. Oh. oh well, yeah, actually, that's true. That is, but no, it's but sometimes that's what better. they put on. There. I don't know. This is also a regional New York kind of <laughs> fight that we should. I'll get into it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I have a, le- a, a dog, a leg in this dog. Is what I was gonna say. <laughs> I don't know if I have a dog in this leg, uh, but... I don't know if I have a horse in this dog. No, so the thing I was going to say is, one time I found out... um, I'm not a huge fan of a lot of members of my family. I feel so stressed saying this, knowing this is going to be on the internet, and then I realized that none of the people I'm about to talk about listen to this. (laughs) You do a podcast about TV, but you don't get along with your whole family? What are you talking about? What? what do you mean? Escapism? I don't think so. You found you found solace in pop culture? What? <laughs> so I have huh? a bunch of family members, specifically uncles. I won't say which side of my family it's on, but as I'm sure you can guess, it's the patriarchal one. And I don't mm. like them. And I found out one summer Girl. while I was in college in a different state uh, that my one of my uncles and his family, the one in particular that I really didn't like, I found out that he... And his wife were coming over for Thanksgiving. I'm not a huge fan of Thanksgiving. I love the food aspect of it, but it's it's a very bizarre time. Uh, just just as far as like morally speaking, in the way that like uh-huh. referred to history, we won't get into it. Um, but it's for me. I'm like, look, I I just I like being able to. It's like it's. The aspect of being with family and eating food is nice. Any chance I get to do that. And Thanksgiving is one associated directly with a break where you have enough time to go home and see your family when you're in an out-of-state school, right? So I was like, sick, awesome, going home for Thanksgiving. I'm excited. You know, I love cooking with my mom. I was looking forward to doing that. And then I find out that my uncle and his wife are coming. And my uncle is one of those guys that uh, just kind of like if he has a fork and you're within reach – He'll just like take shit off your plate. You know what I'm talking about? You know those people? Ugh, gross. <laughs> yeah, yes. it's fucking aggravating. So he would yeah, do real that. Yeah, fucked kind of up stuff. guys. Yeah, and and he's also the kind of person that's like, if he likes something, he's like, here, try this, try this, and like doesn't let you say no, and like is just really pushy, just all around. No, I don't like him. And so I I'm sitting there, I'm on the phone with my mom, and she goes, oh, by the way, uh, your uncle and his and your your aunt and uncle are coming over for thanksgiving and i legitimately start crying oh come on can you shut up siri could you still hear me siri decided to start (laughs) listening yeah you fine oh okay anyway uh, (laughs) so i legitimately start crying when i find this out and i say mom here's what's gonna happen i said we're gonna make two green bean casseroles one of them is for the table the other one is exclusively mine and if my uncle touches even thinks about touching my green bean casserole <laughs> i'm gonna cuss him out and nobody can stop me <laughs> those are the rules and my mom, my mom ag- agreed to the terms <laughs> i got my own casserole 
Thanksgiving. That is my tangent. That is not relevant to this. Jesse's like, looking at me right straight now. up they're talking about playing a video game, but they're looking at me like I'm a monster. How old was I? Talking about green bean casserole. So I was like 19 or 20 years old, just crying about my uncle coming to eat my fucking green bean casserole because I'm a greedy little white kid. Anyway. Um, meow meow beans, <laughs> meow meow bean casserole is what I'm. Wait, getting before at. we can move on, have y'all seen the picture Elliot Page posted yesterday? Dude, uh, I oh punk. Oh my god, I was like, what? He's, he's always he's, <laughs> he's always had that kind of physique, but just like seeing that kind of like I mean, just seeing Elliot Page's scars on Instagram is so fucking major that was emotional he's just he, look how happy I mean, you see how happy he is the joy Elegant. style oh. love joy beauty he's just like strength, hey look first power. time i'm wearing like first time i'm just wearing fucking you know board shorts just wearing you know swim trunks like that's the thing i that that excited me about it was that that post wasn't about as wasn't as much about top surgery or about his abs, even though everybody's talking about his abs. He's always had abs, even pre-transition. He's always had just that's literally just his physique. Um, but that post was about him being like, for the first time in my life, I get to wear this. That's so cool. Yeah. Very yeah, cool. Oh, it's so cool. So now I'm really excited to see what Umbrella Academy season three is gonna be. Woo! <laughs> I'm stoked. Also, because I fucking love that show. I didn't. I don't think I finished the second season. Oh, season no, two. I, I didn't even. I didn't even start the second season. Oh, that's why. Yeah, no. Season two is good. Crazy ending too. Yeah, yeah I think I, I think finished the first season as the second season came out, and I was oh. like, I just did a break, not because I don't like it, but just like we mainlined it a little bit. <laughs> yeah, no, they're like, long episodes, and they do a lot of stuff in there. I mean, it's it's. It's good stuff. I really like the tone that they strike with it, and I like the way that they like touch on a lot of great themes that I enjoy. It's just, it it really it plays into to tropes that I enjoy and subverts tro- tropes that I don't enjoy. Um, also, Klaus is the shit, dude. Oh my god, also the acting is so good. I mean, I like so many of the characters, except for not that I dislike them, but I look at them and I scream at the TV angrily because they're such perfect representations of macho like men, like Diego and uh, Ben. Is that his name? The big, the big dude. Is it Ben? Sure. <laughs> Kevin, have you watched Umbrella Academy? I watched a couple episodes and I was pretty bored, um, so I wanted to stay out. I didn't want to like. I didn't want to shit. You know, I wanted y'all to have your time. I'm trying not to shit on things that don't, like, t- completely deserve it. You know what I mean? So I'm just like, y'all y'all have your fun. Y'all play with your umbrella. Under my umbrella. Hello, and y'all, hello. y'all have fun. Hey, hey, hey. Hey, hey, no, hey. Hey, hey. 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 <laughs> no, I just, I, especially during season two, it's just the two of them with, like, a fucking, especially Diego, with a fucking hero complex. And it's just it was just me and my roommate screaming at the TV, being like, "You fucking idiot!" It's so good. It's so good. Really great stuff. How did we get onto Umbrella Academy? Elliot Page. Because I brought up Elliot Page. Yeah. Yes. Elliot yes. Page. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I love that 10-ish minutes ago, probably more, Jace was like, community. And then Jace immediately took their segue and (laughs) threw it in the ocean (laughs) and and got us off. I told you, I didn't think we were getting into it. I just wanted to prime... You know, I wanted I to put like a primer to like let you people a little, know that you wanted I... to put a little grease on the wheels. You didn't want to actually start yeah. moving. Yeah, we don't need to start rolling. We just rock it. That's okay. Yeah, I understand. I it was uh, just funny, <laughs> not a criticism of you as person. Well, you know, now like, that we're here, why don't we start funny. then, huh? Sure. Uh, we'll start what? Advanced Community Studies, a podcast where we watch and talk about the American television comedy show community one or two episodes at a time. Yeah, that's the one. We are also the premier podcast of the Yahoo Screen Podcasting Network. Yeah. Uh, I am one of your hosts, TV's Kevin Lanigan, and I sure do love them apples. <laughs> hey, what's up, everybody? I'm Jace. I use they, them pronouns, and oh, I have to go number two soon. <laughs> uh, I'm the third host, the daddy host, the hostess with the most is kids, and um, I fought for this country. <laughs> And I know you don't get to choose what parts you fight for. <laughs> no one can get mad at a guy on his birthday. <laughs> I love that homie's like, I gotta make number two, and he just goes, <laughs> he just yeah. his spirit leaves he can't him. even get his thought out, and then something somehow worse happens, and he just <laughs> implodes. Time for me just to make one of those times. <laughs> It's a guttural animal sound when you just, like, cannot articulate a particular feeling. Uh, we've talked about a positive version of that, and that was definitely a negative version of that, that yeah, manifestation. Yeah. It's, 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 there's, you know, it's, it's, it's pre-verbal, right? You know what I mean? I don't want to say post-verbal. That's something totally different, which I won't get that into. That would be beyond. I think what you're trying to say is it's proverbial. Bless Whoa. you. Did you say bless you? Bless you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Do you need a tissue? Uh, yeah, tissue? exactly. I hardly know you. Hey, what's oh. the matter, you? Can I tell you my close second for my quote for the intro? Because Sure. Case, uh, I just, and I need you all to remember that Mark Zuckerberg is Fidel Castro on Flip Flops. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to need some explanation there, but we'll run with it. No, Fidel that's a quote from... That's a, <laughs> That's a quote from the episode. Oh, yeah, I bet. I don't remember that British, at all. Does Britta say it or does no, no, Hickey says it. Hickey says it. Uh, hold on. I want because the full quote because he he elaborates a little bit. Yeah, he goes into uh, it before Zuckerberg he hits you with the punchline is... of Mark Zuckerberg is Fidel Castro and flip flops. At which point I lost it. That was so good. Yeah, absolutely. Because uh, uh, more like Mark Zuckerberg. Uh, don't care for the guy. Uh... <laughs> Uh, no it's okay also Uh, it it makes sense that Hickey's like fuck Fidel Castro right you know even though wow I got I got ad blocks from quotes.net it was unbelievable I've never been so disrespected in my life Uh, Mark Zuckerberg is Fidel Castro in flip flops Meow Meow Beans is gonna make East Berlin look like Woodstock (laughs) and uh, which is so good completely fucked up wild uh, set of comparisons everyone's uh favorite thing that's actually something that comes up in this episode several times this like the tendency we have to leap to like the worst possible scenario because uh 
Britta also like makes this illusion and she's leading up to comparing something to Hitler and Annie's like if you say Hitler <laughs> one more time uh, uh it's, it's it's absolutely and obviously like you see that online every day it's like a rule every of day. the internet is that yeah everything's gonna get compared to Hitler you know we just got vaccines compared to uh the holocaust by a sitting member of congress you know it's a wild time to be alive yes, you know <laughs> I mean, that really happened. Wait, is that, that a surprise? That I to you? I'm, okay, Jason, I will give you. I'm more you so will need. Like, you will need not... one guess to guess who it was. <laughs> you will need a maximum of one guess to guess who it was. I, there's too many. I'm, um, it's not Ted Cruz, was it? No, no. It's that other okay, guy, that so... fucking troll guy. Oh wow! No, no, <laughs> no, no, not a guy. Andre Taylor Green, yes. Oh yeah, yeah, Marjorie yeah, Taylor Greene. Okay, now that checks out. I thought it was that. What's his face, dude? I'm talking about Jeff Sessions. No, Jeff? the little Josh Keebler Hall? elf. What? No. Josh now Hall? we're just naming ghouls. Now we're just naming fucking <laughs> demons. Yeah, I don't. Uh, Beelzebub I don't, was that, a him. Yeah, what's that greasy looking motherfucker? I don't even know. I don't. <laughs> the one that that like. Went up and like testified in like the one the, with the, uh-huh. the Trump something with the, when he was I don't and he <laughs> just started talking about so something funny. unrelated. I can't even y'all. It is I I I try really hard to stay on top of this stuff, and I typically am pretty good about it because I I've been politically minded for most of my life. This I I can't you you know I and. <laughs> I understand. I understand. You're a little tired out. You can't listen to everything that MTG says. Um, and every time that she gets fucking abbreviated that way, I'm like, wait, what did Magic the Gathering do? What did, what did, what did fucking Magic the Gathering do? Did y'all hear that people are losing their mind over over uh, Pokemon cards so intensely that Target has made like a, a limit on how many cards things mm-hmm. you can get? Mm-hmm. That happens all the time. That happens constantly. Like, stores... Yeah, welcome to fucking 1998 (laughs) Uh, once again. Uh, But yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We had to do it at Forbidden Planet all the time. Is that, like, there would be something that would pop up online, people were looking for a something-something, and we had to, like, put limits on how much people could buy um, at one time. And then they would be like, oh, we can only buy one at a time. They'd, like, buy one, walk outside, come back in, and I'm like, no. (laughs) No, This is not how it works. Come back in with a fake mustache, we'll talk. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Put some effort into it, at least. Please, a little pageantry for Come me. On, change Brighten your outfit, up my put on day. A wig, a costume. We're in New York. Get creative. Get creative. There is a uh, Halloween store. There's two different Halloween stores within like a stone's throw of this door. Like, come on. <laughs> and it's in July, and they're still there. Yeah, no. You're... So there's no line. Yeah. 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 Halloween City and all that jazz. Yeah, that's that's a year-round event. Um, yeah, all that, all that fucking jazz. Yeah, we're in, <laughs> we're we're on Union Square. There's like a magic sex shop, like you know, just like right over there. You know, you, Wait, you can make like it a magic and sex shop, so you can get your strap on with your new card trick, right? Is that what you're? Yeah, exactly. You? The the imagine like a the great disappearing strap on or something. Ah, uh-huh, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> See, you, yeah, you do you do one of these, you know, like where you disappear the thumb. For but those it's listening, fucking... Kevin is doing a magic trick with his hands where he's pulling i'm assuming a long rope 
of penises tied toe to balls, tip to balls. Toe to balls. That's toe to ball. The famous toe of the penis. Guys, I don't know what a penis looks like. Uh, Cole, congratulations on that. There's still time. You're I, young. I, I, giant I, thumb I and a turtleneck. I, I, I didn't know how to deliver that joke without it sounding do? terrible. Because if I leaned into the sarcasm of it, it would have been ridiculous. But then I like defaulted for going too realistic. You know what I mean? I was like, I don't know what a penis looks like. That's just an innately funny thing for me to say. But I think I undersold it. Anyway, Meow Meow Beans. <laughs> Is meow, meow beans. actually one of my favorite episodes, not even lying. Um, it's a fantabulous episode. I did, as I said uh, last week, I was going to do a little homework, and I watched one of the primary visual and auditory references for this episode, Logan's Run, uh, on, on HBO Max. It was my first time watching Logan's Run, uh, which is a sci-fi film, came out in 1976, one of the last sci-fi movies that came out pre-Star Wars. So instead of like and and like I I I don't say that as a mark against Star Wars just that like when Star Wars came out space movies stopped being one thing and they became a completely Something different Something completely different yeah. Thing. But yeah, like, there's a if there's a line you can draw between the, the like Logan's Run is the last sci-fi movie to be made uninfluenced uh, by Star Wars in any capacity, it's, right? It's, and it's so the, like it's the post-Shrek cultural landscape thing. It's like once Shrek came out, we can't look at anything without understanding that it came out after Shrek came out. Sure, and and to an even like if we're talking just about animated movies, Aladdin was a similar sea change where it's like suddenly is like oh if we get a big star, yeah, and they just do comedy shtick. Exactly. We now, can make an entire movie out of that. And like Aladdin every animated is a movie has to movie. have some comedian in one role and a bunch of other Right. Donkey in Shrek casting. is a direct family tree like descendant of the genie from Aladdin. Uh, Danny no, DeVito well, in cast, Hercules. The whole cast. Uh, well, yeah, Hercules well, sure. is true. Anyway, but before Star Wars came out and uh, sci-fi movies are about shooting, they used to be about <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry. That's what they became, no, and that's not right. a, like that's what Star Wars is about. Like, <laughs> it's when about did shooting 2001 guys. When did Space and Odyssey come out? Oh, like the late '60s, early '70s. Uh, oh, Star Wars. Hold on, 2001. A space... 2001 Space Odyssey came out in 2001. No, 1968. <laughs> I even like oversold <laughs> it. Is uh, what the. 1968. Um, <laughs> Jesse yeah, just stared like, me dead in the face and said so confidently. 2001. It came out in the title, and I bought it. <laughs> 2001. That movie came out 2001. Oh, okay. 2001. Oh, yeah. oh, that checks sounds out. right. Uh, easy uh, says that checks out. When was 1984 written? 1984? Okay, great. Yeah. <laughs> when did that title, movie 1917 stupid. come out? Oh, 1917? Cool. Uh, yeah, run absolutely. It's just about a guy doing a marathon. Like, come on. Come on. It's about a guy running? Yeah, it was directed by uh, Angelina Jolie, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh, God, what was that movie called? Un- Unbreakable? Un- Un- no. Un- Undirty. I have no idea. <laughs> But you know, uh, you know where I'm, what I'm coming, where I'm coming from. Angelina Jolie. Un, I don't think I'm going to get the responses that I want. Unbroken. Unbroken. You were very close. Because Unbreakable is the fucking Bruce Willis movie. Right. Um, no, it's but, the but, Tina Fey TV series. That, mo- that title has more words than you knew that. You <laughs> knew that when you said that. <laughs> you little shit. <laughs> you little stinker. <laughs> uh, podcast is canceled. But but uh, anyway, just a brief uh, 
uh, Logan's right. I am a big fan of those pre-Star Wars uh, sci-fi movies just because they're all so fucking weird. <laughs> they're all so fucking bizarre because they were all about like, hey, here's a weird outsized concept and we're just going to like do a whole movie about like, what if this concept were real? And also these movies are about fucking. Before Star Wars, sci-fi movies were about fucking. <laughs> now people wanted to fuck so bad. That's um, why I love Mass Effect because a... Mass Effect is sci-fi that's just about fucking. But also yeah. Star was that Star was Star Trek pre-Star Wars? Yes. By like yeah. 20 Some that's of why it. it's that's why it's about fucking and and science. Yeah, exactly. Some it's of it was it's and then some of it. It's sci-fi about science. Was. Exact wild yeah. concept. Basically. Absolutely fucked up. Star Wars oh, is wow, even sci-fi. Technically. Okay. Sci-fantasy. No, it's fantasy. No, it's fantasy. Sci-fantasy. Because sci-fi is based um, in like being able to explain how your world works with science, and the force is magic. Well, ha well hard sci-fi is. No, but like broadly speaking, sci-fi is about provable science in a in a world. Even and, right, even if the science doesn't make sense. But what do you yeah, have to say and about broadly? Star Wars is the force is magic. <laughs> So it's midichlorians. It's, we know this. It's Lord, of the, it's Lord of the Rings in space. Siri, I did not say your name. I said midichlorians. That's that's also Siri's name. Yeah, Siri is, is a midichlorian tester. Yeah, yeah. She's on the she's on the fucking Jedi Council. That fuck. <laughs> that fucking, Who's Siri? Uh, that uh, yeah, God Siri's on the fucking it. Jedi Council. That absolute That's what the, the Jawa. That's what the Jawa was yelling in the in the A New Hope. They went, "Oh Siri, oh Siri." Uh, yeah, it's absolutely. Uh, but anyway, Logan's Run, uh, a movie about what if you lived in a society where everyone got to live until 30 years old and then they were sacrificed in a big thing they called the carousel uh, to allegedly be reincarnated. And once you watch Logan's oh Run, God. you're like, wow, they are wearing exactly the costumes from this episode of Community. It's like Wait, unbelievable Kevin. that it's exact. What? So Logan's Run. What do you just. Logan's Run is just cats. But Logan's Run has a hard cutoff, and it is not about the various members of that dome society competing to get reincarnated. Well, um, though I, it I, is much like Cats about fucking. Mm, I'll give some snaps to that. I'll give that five. Thank you. Thank you. Snaps. Yeah. Yeah. It's absolutely, it's absolutely cool uh, and fucked up. Anyway, Logan's Run's on HBO Max. Check it out. Uh, worth a watch. Weird fucking movie. Uh, <laughs> Can we talk about one it of my favorite of moments of this episode? <laughs> I'm just skipping ahead. I this episode remember. being uh, season five, episode eight, app yeah. development and condiments directed by Rob Schraub, uh, written by Jordan Blum and Parker Day. Uh, Jordan Blum, uh, people might know from the new MODOK TV show is the co-creator of that show. Oh, I have. Sorry, um, excited. I've watched the first three episodes. Uh, it's the best Marvel TV show. Uh, big BoJack, Rick and Morty vibes. Uh, just Pat like Mouthwald is amazing. Yeah, I mean he's great, and the show is like very as funny as those shows, and also like as fucked up and depressing as those shows. Uh, so oh, know, exciting! If you like those, wade in. If you don't like those shows, you will not like. Mo if you're yeah. like, I would like some more MCU content. No, you will nope. not find it here. <laughs> you, nope. Your seat will find no purchase. <laughs> um, so anyway, what I was saying. Thank you for that. So what I was Sorry, saying. Now we're done. Now we're. No, now you're we're good. Done. That's that was that was a necessary part of the introduction that we did not get to. Anyway, so is there's the moment where you know so Jeff is already 
presumably Jeff and Britta have sort of this at this point have like an unspoken pact of like trying to cause a revolution from the inside out, right? And Jeff has recently been promoted to a four, and he's walking around, and Britta is there, and they narrowly escape them freaking out and you know doing who knows what they would have done to Britta, but being like you're a two, you're not supposed to be here. And Jeff's like, I got this. I'll take it. That blah blah blah. And then they go into this room, and there's like, they close all the sh- all the blinds, and there's like a very film noir shadow effect on their faces, and it feels very 1984 <sighs> in that moment. And then, is it Tim or is it Eric that walks in? It's one of those two. Tim. It's Tim. It's Tim. Tim mm-hmm. walks in and has this tiny little moment. I was in love with the two once. <laughs> Yeah, I was one of the two ones. That's the joke, and then he talks about it, and he says that his name was Matthew, but you know, Matthew. people. Your secret's it. safe with me, new yeah. beans. Yeah, and I, there's something so fun about having a really goofy, fun moment um, with that right there, where the punchline isn't that he is gay. Yes, right. Like and there's he... something about that also. That also, like when when for me, whenever I see within, whenever I am watching sci-fi or anything like that that is implying or playing off of even if it's just in a pastiche the idea that like society has progressed to a certain point right and you know things may have developed poorly in one direction but things are also the future in a lot of other ways right Mm -hmm. whenever it's it's not whenever there isn't some element of like queerness present in those societies it takes me out because genuinely it doesn't make sense like in the future Mm -hmm. don't play based uh, on the way don't play cyberpunk (laughs) <laughs> uh, yeah. It, yeah it's, it's a remarkably, remarkably like gender heteronormative society yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah yeah right exactly right to the point where like when you watch things like that they're set in the future they have no queer element whatsoever it's like um you can where did you get this prediction from the only reason it makes sense i mean quote unquote makes sense i'm sorry but like the only reason the only way you can justify it in your head is like well that element was specifically like quelched out as a part of this i mean and that and we have seen that you know throughout history like during you know world war ii literally an entire library worth of books that studied trans identity and like trans people burned you know so like queerness and queerness was specifically targeted as well but like the idea of i just for me when sci-fi is playing with these ideas, right? When it's not, especially when it's not like a dystopian sci-fi or like a politically dystopian sci-fi, right? That's focused on like fascism. You're making sci-fi and it's not politically dystopian. What are you even fucking doing? Well, I mean, that's true. That's true. But like the, with the specific lens of like fascistic or authoritarian versus uh, like some other i it, this one i don't know this episode is kind of in a weird line with what i'm saying but I, for a, lo- a lot of times when i watch sci-fi or stuff that plays with the aesthetics of the future and all these things it it's it's upsetting when they don't go there and so to see that taken in an unironic like really nice moment right there i was just i was just very pleased with that you know especially because like this show has a very complicated relationship with the way that it talks about queer people you know and the way that it represents queerness and sometimes it's good and sometimes it's not so good but that was one of those moments where i was like yeah yeah do i think that when they did that somebody was like this will be funny he should say the name matthew because nobody will think he'll say a guy's name yeah it's very possible that that's what it was but it doesn't come across that when you watch it now it comes across very genuine it's the least funny part of that moment 
Um, sure. And I think a lot of that might be, you know, I I have, a, as you said, like two minds about the way that like Dan Harmon will handle these types of topics in his writing. Yeah. But like, I feel pretty confident. I'm not like a huge fan of the guy, but I feel like Tim Heidecker is not someone that would swing at that target. Like Tim Heidecker seems oh. to have the correct opinions, even if I don't like usually find like his stuff particularly palatable. He's like a producer on a lot of things I like, but like the things he's a direct creative force on, I'm usually like pretty off put by. I, but I, I feel agree. like in I his comedy his his he has the right targets of his comedy well, even, even if i don't ultimately show, like, like love am, the result i am not a fan of tim and eric's show uh, i don't get it i don't get it <laughs> it doesn't do it for me i know some people that love it i say good for you good for them yeah tim and eric you've got to be in a mood you've got to be in a mood in a very specific mood. there's one sketch that i actually do like and i really really like it from them and it's when the two of them are explaining space and it's it's super iconic mm-hmm. and it's in my opinion their best piece it's fucking hilarious. It's so good just hearing these two, you know, like explain space and acting like they know what they're saying, but saying utter nonsense. It's it's the best thing ever. Um, but like their style of comedy is very frequently like the only time that I go, this feels like you're punching down is when they do this stuff where it's like they get normal people and you're just kind of laughing at how awkward normal people are. But they don't tend to pick targets. Most of their jokes are just squelch noises and fart jokes. Like that's their whole, whole <laughs> which whole we can thing. all agree on farts are funny farts are okay. funny oh my god yeah but like see and, you know and then of course you know tim and uh, not tim and, uh and then eric andre's show comes out and it just is it just gets me i love it and it's interesting because they're both similarly absurd but there's a different lens that eric has that is far more like politically absurd versus like aesthetically I'm, absurd and it is I completely just, get that. It gets me. I love it. There's a there's a grounded uh weird to say this, but there's like a grounded nature to the Eric Andre show yeah, where like absolutely. because it's using the in studio talk show sort of format, my mm. brain can more easily latch on to the more absurdist elements because I have that solid base to come back to. Um, whereas something like Tim and Eric, which is just a complete fucking free for all, I'm just, I feel like I'm in the wind. I just, I don't yeah. know what to latch on to. And that's me. Yeah. And obviously no, comedy is super fucking I think fucking you're touching subjective. on something very true with that. And I think that's, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's why funny. I really it's like something like community, right? Like it always has <laughs> this base of characters, the fucking study room table to come back to as a sense of like equilibrium. Right. And I think, you know, that's, that's, you know, then, you know, when you get into the realm of absurdism, right, it depends, you know, how you, are you, are you, are you talking about the, uh, the aesthetics of absurdism? Or are you talking about like literally like the theatrical tradition of absurdism and absurdity and how that's a political commentary in itself? Um, and how that's it's not feeling grounded is a perfectly valid way of expressing that lens. It just it doesn't land with me because there's something else that's not there. I don't know. Regardless of that, I mean they're they are literally com- comedy legends. Like these people are some of the most famous names in comedy, and it's so funny because every time they walk in during this episode, which I of course always remember, this is an incredibly iconic episode that I always remember and I always think about. Um, is mm-hmm. the idea that like whenever they walk in, I'm like, oh, it's these two. Who are these two? Why do I not? And then when they show up in their costumes later on with like the face paint, mm-hmm. 
that for some reason is when I go, oh, it's Tim and Eric. <laughs> oh, it's Tim and Eric. <laughs> they look like normal guys before, and I didn't yeah, get Yeah, I was it. like, I didn't recognize them when they looked like humans. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I just understand walk in that. wearing cash clothes, and you're like, the oh, fuck are you? I was like, where are these fucking honda suv driving like startup wannabes like what i it's i they just yeah. i didn't it's it's like when you see someone who is known for being particularly like glamorous or theatrical and then you see them like completely dressed down out of that persona and you're like wait that's what yeah. lady gaga looks like <laughs> yeah, right <laughs> I, I wouldn't have been able to tell you that I would yeah. not. I would not have looked at the character in A Star Is Born and known it was Lady Gaga if they didn't say Lady Gaga. If yeah. she had gone by Stephanie Germanata, I would not have known. Yeah, yeah. That that was who that was. Kevin, you just gained so much respect in my book for knowing Stephanie's full name. Thank you. I respect. You know, I uh, you must pay due diligence uh, to our Lord Stephanie Germanata, Savior, Lady Gaga. One of, Absolutely, one of the world's greatest weirdos. Like, Correct. one of the, like, one, just like, and like, not even just like, oh, she puts on crazy clothes. Nope. The way she interacts with people is fucking yep. weird. And I love that yeah. she's just this fucking I would weirdo. love to see Lady Gaga and David Al, uh, David Albarn. David Albarn? Damon Albarn. I have Hello? no idea who you're talking about. Uh, the guy no from Talking Heads. David Byrne? David Byrne. Who's David Albarn? No idea. David Byrne is the guy from Talking Heads. What just yeah. happened? Did I, I, right. I don't, don't I, think about it. <laughs> don't keep going. You're fine. <laughs> Spoken like a smiling wave, wave. Smiling wave. <laughs> but right. David Byrne and Lady Gaga, I would kill to see what they would do together. Oh my god, that'd be so cool. That would be uh, tremendous. You know, I, I, my, my birthday last year was supposed to be going to see David Byrne's American Utopia on Broadway, oh, and then yeah. that obviously I heard it was fucking got phenomenal. I did not have a chance. I, in theory, will be able to see it for the next birthday because they're allegedly bringing it, bringing it back in late 2021. Um, but uh, I, I saw the the version that Spike Lee filmed and put up on HBO Max, and it was like, tremendous. oh, that's right. I didn't. It was absolutely, it was absolutely tremendous. But you're right that those two should do a collabo. <laughs> they should so do because because her previous collabos are with like fucking Tony Bennett, and I'm Tony like, okay, yeah, thanks. Bennett. And I'm like, that's great, but like. Could we get you on a Talking Heads album? I know the Talking Heads don't really exist anymore, but could the, like we make that happen? David Byrne still exists. I want that. Absolutely. Meow Meow Beans. <laughs> I keep thinking back to um, the moment where we get Jeff doing uh, the, the stand-up bit. Which is, is one of perfect. the greatest <laughs> It's fucking... That it's... One of my favorite things to make fun of, which is bad 90s stand-up comedy, which is just like, <laughs> this type of person walks like this. And they cut to Annie's face and just the moment of like, oh, <laughs> oh my God, that's so true. The other thing that gets me is when they cut to him and everyone's laughing and he just goes, oh, shit. <laughs> I laughed up. so it, hard this last time. That, immediately takes me back to being younger and listening to like i hate to say it but fucking dane cook comedy albums on itunes we, you know what i mean we were all there we've all we, been we were all it was like you didn't listen we all knew it, it was the early 2000s like i, I, I don't pretend you didn't listen to dane cook <laughs> don't his, pretend his stand-ups are on hbo max homies, and i tried can watching I tell you recently, one of my... and uh, let me tell you garbage <laughs> <laughs> can i tell you a memory that i have um 
not ashamed of in any way uh, and is one of my favorite memories in my life. Uh, we had a baseball tournament in Carbondale, and we played one day. We played the, the the morning game when we got there and then the night game, and then it rained all fucking weekend. But uh, our team was in Carbondale, and rather than leaving, we all decided we would just fucking stay and hang out. And the Sunday of our, like, three-day fucking vacation with a bunch of fucking high school dudes, we watched the uh, fucking Vicious Circle in yeah. my hotel room eating breakfast, and it was fucking magical. <laughs> it's oh, incredible. Yeah, I mean, like, that's exactly what that was. It's one of my favorite yeah, fucking memories. It was, it was fucking... I mean, it's just like, we were all there. You know, like, I remember... Like, one of the first SNLs I ever watched live was, like, hosted by Dane Cook. And I was, like, in stitches when he was just doing stand-up. And then, like, a year later, he hosted again, and I didn't laugh at all. <laughs> it was, it's like, true. it was so just fun. this... Yeah, he just... It, and it, it was, was this solar flare that just, like, It was a solar all... flare of aesthetic. <laughs> like, he just kind of nailed this tonal thing. Like, it wasn't... He, he barely told jokes. He did a goofy voice and told stories of him being an asshole, and he just said the word fucking, fucking, fucking over and over and over again, and all of us were like, this is comedy. This is hysterical. And This is the height of what comedy is capable this of. This is the height of comedy. <laughs> as no one before has ever been this funny, and no one in the future will ever be funnier. And somehow, we were dead wrong. It was just a moment in time, and I'm so grateful that this episode fucking nails it. Because objectively, nothing Jeff says is funny, but it is so funny to watch. It's so funny as this recognizable, like, we know this type of stand-up. We know this type of pattern. We know, like, he's he's doing a pitch-perfect representation. Right? And like, I And I think, I mean, I, I don't know this off the top of my head. I imagine that... Joel McHale was maybe doing stand-up during that time. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, and and it was yeah, like a whole, no, it was a whole thing. And then it's like it's coming from inside this universe that true. they've created, right? Yeah, the call out is coming from inside the house. Um, but uh, it it's it's that that it it I love these. They're doing something we do in contemporary culture, but in a completely foreign culture but somehow they have the same bad kind of of stand-up rick and morty does this all the fucking time like uh snake jazz like leaps immediately to mind <laughs> is that they have they have our style of jazz but it's snakes going like it's fucking it's absurd um and i just love it it, it fucking kills me every single time i don't feel the snake jazz hmm? what'd you say I just, I, I, my brain turned off for a hot second, and then it turned back on, and we were talking about snake jazz. <laughs> snake jazz. Yeah. How, how did we a, get from Dane Cook? Because to snake it's jazz? a Rick and it's a Rick and Morty. Thing. I, I went back to the stand-up comedy thing, and like I compared this to a style of comedy they do on. Uh, for listeners, this is a recap of what I said thirty seconds ago. <laughs> uh, that they do this Fucking type savage. of comedy on Rick and Morty all the time. It, obviously another Dan Harmon program. This right, this sure. type of humor here is a recognizable Earth culture thing, but what if it existed on a completely foreign planet or in a completely alternate dimension exactly as it exists here but with a different set of cultural references. Right, yeah, I get what you're saying. Anyway. <laughs> and I compared right. that unto Snake Jazz. Snake Jazz. 
Snake Jazz. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Glad we're all caught up on Snake Jazz. Yeah, thank you for thank you for recapping what you literally just said. Last time on Kevin Exposits. <laughs> Previously on 30 seconds ago. <laughs> Previously on this same episode of Advanced Community Studies. <laughs> this same. Previously on something you could hit the 30 second skip button on your podcast player and hear again. Um, hey, for yeah. those of you listening right now, if you don't want to hear me say this again, just click the skip forward. Hold, 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 hold. Hold. Hey, for those of you who are listening to the podcast, if you don't want to hear me just say the same thing twice, go ahead and just push the skip forward part right now. That's absolutely use... fucked up what you just did. <laughs> All I'm saying is use your medium to your advantage. Absolutely. Use the medium to tell to tell the story. Um, and I, I mean, it, this episode is just like, it accomplishes so much in such a completely limited amount of time. Like, it completely invents a new... Uh, Meow Meow Beans based society and with all these cultural references to movies like Zardoz and, and 1984 and, and all these different like cultural cachets <laughs> um, I can't say anything specifically from Barbarella but I get Barbarella vibes from this as well and also it's just, like, shout out great... to the set dressers who Unbelievable. We, const- we constantly acknowledge how good they are but this episode really really does it for me like you go out when they go outside to like the abandoned zones where all the ones are <laughs> and there's and just like spotlights. barbed wire and burning trash cans hanging yeah, <laughs> around oh, and the, oh the chicken god. wire yeah oh my god it's all the like the meow meow bean signs that they put up and then after that all the brita che guevara mustard stain so signs good. that they like oh, put up no the profile the profile silhouette of brita with just the the little yellow smear it it's inspired i mean it's truly like it's amazing it's it's so good <laughs> so good that it's just like they created this entire like new universe of design the like white fancy future dance Who room and Chang all goes, the fucking hey and he goes that come that comes down. <laughs> what is that? That comes down. Coogler. <laughs> Coogler is a character that I fucking adore. Uh, played he was by in like a one episode a while. He's back. in. He, he's no. This is his first. This is it. No way. This is like he's in this, and then he's in one episode of season six. He's in two episodes total. Wait, this is um, his this... first episode. Yeah, and he just comes in and he's like, hey, I'm Coogler, it's a guy we all know. Um, (laughs) And Coogler, I I, I can't explain why it's funny to me, but having this, like, send-up of terrible (laughs) 80s college comedies in the middle of this is also fucking hysterical to me. Uh, Played by Mitchell D. Hurwitz, creator of Arrested Development. (laughs) You know, just like, why? this happening but i i, Wait, I am that's enraptured that is, when they say mitchell d herwitz is coogler coogler that's <laughs> really that's oh really that's mitchell that's his real name i yeah wow. it's mitchell herwitz creator of arrested development this yeah i mean another fucking phenomenal show i the, the thing right when i was dan Harmon was on arrested development it was like kind of like a a, a tag back you know it's repaying the favor oh, that's fun oh i didn't know that i didn't know that he's you know. on the worst episode of season four, the the like second episode of Arrested Development season four, he's like, eh, he's at like a table and he's just like handing things out and he does a little bit. Um, and I like, I had a watch party for Arrested Development season four when it dropped because it was like 
the hype train was rolling. You know, mm-hmm. it was like eight years since season three. I made like frozen bananas with chocolate. Like it was a uh-huh. whole thing. <laughs> and um, and like it was weird being in that room and just like watching the air leave the space as that season went on. Uh, but like I popped so hard for Dan Harmon. I was like, it's Dan Harmon. And everyone was like, who is that? What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Who's this so fucking loser? I Who's just this I, re- guy? <laughs> I remember watching this episode. I don't know why I just said I remember. I watched it today. I was watching the episode earlier, <laughs> and I'm, I I'm having a hard time. time. I'm struggling right now. I don't know if y'all have caught on, but I'm. Oh, if we noticed. <laughs> <laughs> Today's a hard day for me. I'm trying. Um, no, I understand. But... It's okay. <laughs> but like they, when they, when you, you, Jeff, Ooh, breathe. When Jeff comes in and he's with all the frat boys i was like what a stupid bit that they just did for no reason and then there's the the post credit bumper and then all they're all back they're all back and it was just like it was brilliant because i immediately then thought back okay what was that day on set they had all those guys come in and they did that one they did the shot with jeff and they were like okay Mm -hmm. awesome and they're like okay great and before you all go just really quick we just need you all to stand in front of the camera right here and just scream Kugler. And just go, <laughs> Kugler, Kugler. And they did that, and they're like, great, thank you so much. That's a wrap. And it just it extend, it brilliant, brilliant, so good. It, and just, it just adds this extra fucking element to the uh, fake Kugler uh, trailer. It's, it's fucking good. Giving Joel McHale a list of funny names to say, always gold, uh, and just him rattling off the frat boys is uh, incredible. It's, it's, it's really good. This episode is a great sure. character piece for all these different characters. Shirley. Great Shirley episode. Great Jeff one and of the episode. One of the best Shirley episodes, I'd say. Because, you know, we actually talk about Shirley for once. <laughs> right. And her, like, making... I think this season has a real missed opportunity to at near the end of it pay off this weird sub Shirley storyline where suddenly she's like very invested in on-campus activities in a way that she hasn't been previously. Um, and like, I know that I think Andre left her between seasons. So like there's something that could have been wrung out of that, but they left that water in the rag. They just did not, they did not twist that out. And it, it, hit me in this watch of this episode. I was like, huh, there's something that we really could have done there. Is it weird? To, sorry, following this, this one? It's coming a few episodes late now, I guess. Is it weird to anybody else that Andre, or that, uh, yeah, Andre and Shirley are apart again? And that it's because Shirley got too into I, her sandwich business? I didn't realize that that was a thing. I must have missed that or forgot about that. But it's, I mean, I've, I, I, I could understand externally, like non-canonically, that they were like, "We're just, we're not going to have that actor come back, and we want to have Shirley have an independent." Oh my god, the cat just figured out how to open the door. I mean, Andre's participation in the show is so limited; he doesn't need to come back for them to stay in a relationship. But it still feels like this. They built a character who was all about her family, and then like suddenly made her care about business more than family, which is really weird to me. I have always cited it more as an Andre flaw than a Shirley flaw that oh, he leaves her. Oh, it's definitely an Andre flaw. I mean, um, that was the reason why he... it got tumultuous at the end when they were first talking about it. Is He mm. was like, but I have to go back and do my business. And she was like, I have a business. I can do this. And then yeah. he, it felt like it was a quick, like, fine, like, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good from Andre. 
But Absolutely. in actuality, he yeah. never got over that. Which, I mean, does right. track, but it's still like... And it, and it needs to... You know, they needed Shirley to come into this season as downtrodden and unhappy as the rest of the cast. Like, she need, she <laughs> needed to have her own thing that she's running away from I also uh, that would drive her back that, to Greendale. That probably had something to do with the fact that she was like, okay, I'm a little... Uh, I I'm, I want to give her a bit more of like this independent... I'm my own person kind of vibe. That was the path she was going on for a while. And it just seemed like the next logical step was to be like, hey, growth so much that she was by herself and didn't want to be by herself to now being, I am by myself and I want to be by myself. You know, like that's, mm-hmm. that's kind of a cool thing that I wouldn't be surprised if Yvette Nicole Brown had some sort of influence on. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's definitely... A, a big shift, Caleb, that, like, happens pretty quickly, kind of out of nowhere, almost. Yeah. I meant to bring that up when it happened, and I forgot. So, you know, <laughs> my brain's, goes my, on my on brain's basically, like, uh, just a bowl of really old soup uh, <laughs> every day. Cause Caleb, I, you've got two kids. I mean, I don't know what my excuse is, but, like, y'all, I, I y'all get it. Know the worst part about that is that for the What's last that? two weeks, my in-laws have been moving. So I don't have daycare service anymore. And while I'm not Yikers. complaining about hanging out with my kids, like all day, every day, five days a week, hoofta, I get fucking drained. <laughs> oof, oof. Today, sure. Amanda was like, I was gonna take the, I was gonna take the kids to the zoo, or sorry, not the zoo, the uh, science center, because like we've never taken Charlie to the science center when she was old enough to fucking play with shit. Sick. So I was like, let's do it, and then fucking. The zoo's closed on Tuesdays. Sorry, this is all information nobody needs to know. Anyway, we ended up staying home today because the zoo was the science center was closed for no fucking reason. <laughs> and the zoo come in because <laughs> we've we've been to they're the zoo in the past. same park. They're, right they're in the same yeah. location. Oh, okay, okay. There's yeah. a, there's a common. This is a St. Louis thing, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I was like, so can't go to the science it's center. your turn to be alienated Jace it's your <laughs> yeah, turn. So much. I really appreciate it you know it's yeah. not like I experienced it most days of my life but it's fine I'll take it from get you too also get the fuck out oh, cool. of here make me feel really bad about a joke <laughs> fuck. I'm totally kidding I know I know I know anyway I'll finish my story real quick I promise no, I know nobody no, cares take your time um, please <laughs> I, I meant that not ironically I meant that we had we had plans to go to the science center and we couldn't. My grandma then, instead of just like coming over and figuring something out, fucking pulled the ejection cord and just I'm actually I'm gonna do other shit. And I was like, cool. So I have both kids all day by myself. And then my little angel of a daughter, Charlie, walks up to me and goes, Um, I just kinda wanna relax today. And I was like, Yes, but what does that mean? And then she was like Let's smoke, mean? Daddy. Let's <laughs> dangerous as fuck. What do you mean? And then she's like, I just want to take my iPad into my room. And like it's Tuesday, but I was like, go for it. And so like I hung out with Eli and brought her snacks every 45 minutes. And I hey. let her just veg on her iPad for like five hours. And uh there's a moment where I was like, should I like get her out here and do some coloring or something constructive? And I would like get up and then like Nah, and sit back down. <laughs> nah, you gotta, as long as it's not like every day, like, yeah, let him play in the iPad. It's fucking like, fine. Day to relax. You gave her a day to relax. That is a lesson in autonomy. You are a good father. Mm. Dude, she was getting up and going to the bathroom on her own. And oh, like, yeah. as somebody who like, she's, she's gotten pretty good about that, but as somebody who like, 
really worked with her to like not pee her underwear all the time. Mm-hmm. Her like not saying anything and me being in the living room and hearing the toilet flush and then her just like walk back to her room was like, oh, oh, I did it. Like almost start crying. You didn't know that a flushing toilet could be an emotional (laughs) experience. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, when did flushing piss become emotional for me? But it works. It's because you're not picking it up with your hands anymore. (laughs) Picking up piss with your hands. I don't know. You put it in a paper towel or something. It's in. Oh, okay. I got you. I got you. I got you. (laughs) You can't pick up a liquid without some sort of solid. Wow. You know, that's that's a thought for the day. <laughs> yeah. And with that, Everyone just do it. In order, to, in order to pick up a liquid, you need some sort of solid. Wow. That's your physics lesson for the day. Phys- physics? Yo, I don't even have my mouth That's your physics cluskit. What'd you say? <laughs> <laughs> But what if I not? Just, I recently got a mouth guard for when I sleep because apparently I grind my teeth so much that my cheeks have trauma. Anyway, um, <laughs> it's not funny. I'm sorry. It's just the way you described it was very, very good. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, I meant it to be funny. And uh, I so- uh, give this episode <laughs> no meow meow beans. <laughs> <laughs> zero, zero this, ep- this podcast episode or this episode episode wait okay this end tag though we're ranking i see the ranking things open this end tag I've ha- i just have it up you know if y'all want to keep chatting about piss or whatever <laughs> like, <that's fine. laughs> um i have the end tag ranking i would like to start uh with a uh declaration uh so we're ranking uh episodes and end tags uh this end tag of course the trailer for the fake coogler movie this is my number one. Whoa. Fiddler Please has been number one for three seasons now. And I think there's a new king in town, and his name is Kugler, and he has an aversion to education. <laughs> <laughs> is getting laid a class? No! <laughs> Uh, it's exactly something that I find funny. I uh, love the character of Googler. And uh, this is this is a it's a perfect pastiche of bad VHS college comedy oh, trailers yeah. that I've seen oh, twenty thousand of. It is one of the greatest like recreations of a visual style that the show has ever done. It's <laughs> um it's unbelievable. Caleb, what are your thoughts? My thoughts are number two. But you love Fiddle Please. That's like go from piss to poo, piss to poo. Fiddle the Please fucks oh, me up. Oh my god, so one much. to two. I get it now. I get it. Get it. Oh. Very good, Kevin. I mean, Fiddle Please has been number one for three seasons for a reason. You know, yeah. it's it's yeah. it's yeah. held that spot for a long time. I don't. I don't think I can, in good faith, bump Fiddler. I don't think I can do it. I um. I almost, I almost want to put it below darkest. Uh, no, it's, it's uh, number two. I mean, you can be honest. If you, if you, if you think it's below no, I, something, I, I, you know. I, 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 I was like, it's below darkest timeline, and then I went, uh, no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I'm not in. It's a great ah. episode. I mean, I'm also. It's interesting. The end tags, like, we've talked a lot about the top ten for the episodes. Because we haven't touched the top ten in for a minute. Well, it seems like y'all did recently with Hickey hiding, which I'm assuming. Yeah, were... that is the one time we've touched it in in a long time. Yeah, and... in since the beginning of season three, this is the first time we've touched it, except for Hickey hiding. Right. Um, so I'm. I, it's it's interesting because like it holds a slightly different 
like position you know what i mean like these i look at these and i'm like those top ones are the most iconic but not necessarily the ones that make me laugh the most and i forget that i i forget that this is an end tag although i have a hard time believing i will forget it now and i don't know why like after having now that you've I, talked about it now that you've locked it in now that i've talked about it i'm like this is actually a fucking exceptional end tag i just never think about it but that's also probably because my fondest associations with Entags are Troy and Abed. And we're in a post-Troy and Abed world right now. Yeah, let's do two. All right. I can, I can live with number two being <laughs> He likes shit. Nice. Yeah, I <laughs> nice. do. Oh, I can't lie to you. I like shit. I like okay. shit. We can do. I like shit. Now, this episode. Um, okay, how about this? Let's start with... The current number 12, Basic Lupine Urology, the previous uh, Rob Schraub directed Law and Order episode. So the I think Battle this of the. I agree. <laughs> so that Fuck, was. Are we, that going was right toward, are we going right back toward the top 10? This is a banging episode. This is one of my favorites. This is a big one. Okay, next one above this. Because I think this might just be like a one slot elimination at a time. Um, next is The Ass Crack Bandit. Basic intergluteal numismatics. Better. I think this I one's better. Hmm. I agree, which is... No, I agree, Daddy too. Daddy host. My initial thought okay. was like, eh. And then I realized that right above that is fucking floors lava, and I was like, well, maybe. Sometimes things work. Yeah. Number 10, geothermal escapism. Yeah. Oh. This yeah. might be better than that one. Well, is this episode better than that one? No. I'm saying it makes sense for it to be above basic intergluteal numismatics because the one immediately above it is one I think can't move. Mm. Well, not can't move, but this doesn't move it. I would be inclined to agree. I I think this is just outside of the top 10. And I'm perfectly happy with a new number 11, S5E8 app. Development. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And nope. Development. Development. Repent. Condiments. Booyah. 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 <laughs> we all just did that. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, oh. Oh. I got built-in ball warmers. Uh. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> fucking. Wait. That's uh, totally in... it. Though. Now, every time you sign off and you say "pop pop," the response should be "booyah booyah." <laughs> booyah booyah <laughs> yeah it's a call and response and then you you say yeah the, it's like the and so and 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 with you whatever the fuck it is i don't know <laughs> i'm jewish i don't know why i'm making these jokes <laughs> i'll allow it uh let's see um okay uh, uh anybody got uh those pluggable pluggables i'll say uh i was on uh, one of the most recent episodes of the Community Rewatch podcast. Uh, I was talking about the season three finale, uh, introduction to finality. I think it was a good uh, discussion. I had a good time. And if you like this pod, you should go listen to that one. Go have a good time. Uh, go enjoy yourself. Uh, and I have another exciting pod appearance that I did immediately preceding this one, but I don't want to plug it until it's like actually... Oh, fun. Um, But it was enlightening, and it was wonderful, and I had a great time. Um, But that will be my uh, plug of the 
week. Uh, I'll say, <laughs> give give our show five meow meow beans on Apple Podcasts. Yeah. Give it those five meow meow beans. Uh, and <laughs> do you make you more can... money that way? What what does that do? <laughs> what nothing? I mean, it, it boosts the show. It's like oh, the more reviews we get and the more positive reviews we get the more likely it is that we'll show up if someone types in community podcast on on gotcha. apple podcast you know or like that will we'll pop up i mean that at this point SEO, we're not gonna like engine optimize yeah we, this show is never gonna like surge up the charts but you know every every little bit helps um so i will say uh thanks for that and uh anybody else um i i i'd like to bring in a special guest for a plug because there is a video game that Jesse has been playing, and I don't know what it's called, but it's amazing. What is it? Do you like <laughs> Meow Meow Beans? Well, I do. This is the game for you. It has a lot of Meow Meows and a few Toe Beans. It's called Calico, and it's sort of like Pokemon meets Nintendogs, but cats. <laughs> And, uh, and the color palette is impeccable. It has pastels in the turquoise pink region. There's lesbians in it. If you like the lesbians of Stardew Valley, I do. you're going to love the three-dimensional lesbians <laughs> in this little town. Uh, and yeah. Three-dimensional character- like characteristically or like aesthetically? Like polygons. So, like, wow. Yeah, but you do have to do a lot of emotional labor for <gasps> all of the people in the town. I'm cute. I'm blue, and I have a five o'clock shadow, and I wear overalls, and I have cowboy hat, pink hair. You can also like make your, you can make galaxy hair. You can ride any wilderness creature that you find. So right Wait, now, any of them? I just... Right now, I'm riding a red panda to. And You're from. riding the red panda. Yeah, I was earlier. I was riding an arctic fox, and the tasks are really manageable. Um, you never feel like you're disappointing anyone, which is really <laughs> important for Take the sustainability that, of me playing. Take that, parents. <laughs> yeah, there's no parents to disappoint in this game. It, Hell and then there's yeah. also an art decor element, so you can oh. design your cafe that you run. You're running a cat cafe that welcomes any creature. Wow. Um, and then it's just there's... an animal cafe at that point. Yeah, I guess so, but that's not <laughs> what the game is, I guess. Is it? Would you? Describe... Oh, and you can make food, so you have you have to be really small and then throw. <laughs> ingredients into a bowl and honestly it's way better than regular cooking <laughs> like in the real world you mean yeah uh-huh. so but it is a little frustrating because everyone in the village has differing like artistic palettes and they all want you to craft your cafe to their likeness <laughs> and so i have like one spooky corner that i like hide from the rest of like the colorful cloudy vaporwave cafe because my one like queer friend Ash in this in the, game. Ca- in the game like really wants a spooky cafe and won't won't come unless it's spooky. So would you describe this as like a chaotic, cozy game? It's not very chaotic. It's mostly it's cozy and deeply curious. Oh, love that. That's the plug. <laughs> what was the name of that game again? Oh, Calico. Are you looking it Calico. up? Right uh, I was just curious. Like the kind of cat. And it's on Switch. And I don't know if it's anywhere else. But that's it. Yeah. That's that's my plug. I, I, 
<laughs> I saw them playing it earlier, and I was like, I need, I need this to be more well known because this is the craziest thing I've ever seen. It is also an indie game designer. Oh, love that. Yeah, I do love an indie game. Cool. Yeah. What about you, Caleb? What What are your plugs for the week? Don't really have any plugs. Um, as as I mentioned before, I haven't really been getting in. Oh, you know what? Just kidding. I haven't been doing anything, well, so I have nothing to plug in terms of what I'm doing. I've been watching kids. Um, but I have <laughs> been watching Mythic Quest, which I mentioned last week. That show fucking slaps. Uh, I'm all caught up. Also, I was in a really like depressed funk starting this morning, like for a couple days, and I watched Ted Lasso, like in its entirety. I watched the whole first season today. Um, like I said, I haven't been doing anything. Um, that show <laughs> literally broke my mood. Not many shows can do that, but that show broke my mood. It made me like happy and changed my entire day. Ted Lasso is also on Apple TV. uh, Jason Sudeikis is a football coach from like Wichita who gets hired as a manager of a soccer team in in the UK, and it's incredibly good. Like Apple TV's got the market cornered right now for like workplace comedies. They work. And I was, from I was, uh, <laughs> creator of uh, Scrubs, uh, if anybody needs another. Oh yeah, from oh, Bill yeah. Lawrence, wow. the creator of Scrubs. Oh, there you go. Mm-hmm. That's why. It's, oh shit, these got some great ratings. Cool. cool. Yeah, it's it like the most acclaimed show good. right now. Uh, I just don't have Apple Plus. I I need a new iPhone soon, and I think they just give you Apple TV Plus if you buy a new iPhone. Wait, uh, for real? So I'm excited. Yeah, I think if you buy like any significant apple product they're like could you please take a free month of our streaming service i'm like don't mind if i do it's like buying an xbox or playstation and getting a month of playstation plus or xbox live what if we get this sucker to play this uh, for a little bit and then they'll be like but i can't not have it so i got to have it yeah that's that's how they get you i need it i need it uh, I will not be playing any more video games for a while because I just got the Mass Effect Legendary Collection, and that Ugh. is my foreseeable it's future. So good. Uh, good games that I like to play. Uh, yep. They are nostalgic for me, but they are also good, which is a great combination. <laughs> <laughs> Something yes. nostalgic is yeah. actually good. <laughs> um Let's see. Brief uh, programming note. Um, we will still record next week, but I, there won't be a video, an upload next week because I have to start going back into the office on Wednesdays. And Wednesdays during work was when I was editing these episodes. So we're going to go back to kind of recording with like a week buffer, sure. um, which will be nice for me because then I'm not like, got to get it out, got to finish it on Wednesday. Um, so that'll be, <laughs> that'll be fun for me. Uh, so no episode, but in two weeks, uh, we'll be back with V. CR maintenance and educational publishing, uh, which you might remember as the episode that has the fucking creator of Breaking Bad and the guy that wrote Rainbow Connection in the same episode. Uh, <laughs> so that'll be fun for us. Wait, Jim um, no, he did not write Rainbow Connection. Jim Henson did not write any of the songs. Paul Williams, baby. Paul Williams. If y'all need a place, an episode of The Muppet Show to watch, go watch the Paul Williams season one episode. It's fucking delectable. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm sold. Damn. All right. Yeah. Nope. He writes a lot of Muppet songs, but I think most notably of them is uh, Rainbow. Well, that's that is their most famous song. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we'll be back in two weeks with that. But until then, pop pop. Booyah booyah. <laughs> D-B-D-D. Hmm. <laughs>
<laughs> wow. I just watched a robot shut down in real time. <laughs> it said quarter to five, but it was quarter to ass. You thought your plumbing was safe, but your jeans were half a mass. Another coin down the drain. Now that's some change that won't last. Twenty-five cents at a time. He's taking our souls. Government man can't help. We're all alone. Are you feeling the breeze? Did you pull your belt tight? You know that it's wrong. You know that it's right. Out of the shadows, down the coin goes. Why, oh why, do you so? did just watch uh, the Mitchells versus the Machines. I did as well. I, I uh, about a week ago. Yeah. What did what did you think? It's got some definite things that I wasn't so much a fan of, but I I really like it because going alongside um into the Spider-Verse, mm-hmm. it's showing that Sony have got a really good handle on how to compete with Disney for animation because nobody can match Disney's raw workhorse output. <laughs> Or the fact that they've got, you know, the budget to hire the best of the best and everything and and the aesthetic choices to very um, carefully polish everything. Because I don't know if you saw um, the latest one, uh, Raya and the Last Dragon. Uh, not yet, no. I mean, technologically, utterly exquisite. Um, mm. Yeah, it really is. But it's that level of finish and polish that a Disney movie has and Sony have decided somewhere along the line that they can't compete with that, so they just won't, which I find fascinating and wonderful. I think that's the the best way to go when you're looking at competition is that, like, you'll never beat Disney at Disney's own game. You you can't. It's It's too rooted in our culture and their corporate culture, and, like, everyone has, like, an idea when they hear something is a Disney thing. So Sony seems to be moving. They're just like, we're going to be tonally completely different. We're going to be stylistically completely different because Disney is generally very, you know, traditional uh, and they won't have like the, the herky jerky animation of, of Spider-Verse or like the, the integration of like the 2D overlays in Mitchell's yeah. versus the machines, which I found very charming, you know? Yeah, it's it's it, they're really doing a good job over the last couple of years of carving out a very unique visual identity for themselves, which is, I mean, it's great because it's yeah a relatively unknown studio, like not not like underfunded or indie by any means, but like it's still, it's it's no Disney or DreamWorks, right? Exactly, uh, and you know DreamWorks, I feel like it's sort of petered out a little bit but for a while they were building their brand on like well we're we're wilder and we're more edgy and we're more pop culture you know minded and and that was how they built out their 
niche and Sony, you know, I, I can't list every recent Sony animation thing off the top of my head. I know the emoji movie is in there somewhere, but like they're moving. I think we all pretend that isn't. <laughs> no, that's the outlier. Um, but they're, they're moving in a much more like, well, we're going to give you something a, a little more non-traditional and we're going to give you something that you, you really haven't seen before, at least in like a mainstream you know 3d animated uh, studio family comedy film um and that just allows the it just opens up all these great avenues for their movies is that like well now you have a full new language to for both storytelling and jokes once you add like this this new veneer it can only pay off for your movie absolutely and the the other thing they've got going is that like all disney films look identical to each other Yes. pretty much <laughs> yeah and to a, to a slightly lesser extent so did all the dreamworks animation like you look at uh, um, rise of the guardians and shrek they're very clearly produced by the same company even mm. though they're they're trying to be visually very different whereas there's enough difference between into the spider-verse and mitchell's versus the machines that like it's not that it feels like it's a separate studio but there's just that bit of difference which means they're going to be able to capture different market segments with each movie, which it gives them more flexibility, which is no bad thing. Absolutely not. Uh, I am I am all for people, you know, slipping into the corporate culture and like forcing these these big studios to like expand what they think is possible and like play something a little more more dangerously. It was a um, it was a Warner Brothers animation, but the Lego Movie, which ha- uses a lot of the same people that the the spider-verse and, and mitchell's versus the machines use that's what that movie's like about <laughs> it's yeah. like what if what if we slip some actual artistry into a, a an animated movie about the lego brand <laughs> and and it worked it paid out dividends i mean it does also help that lego is just the best thing ever it's really good <laughs> I, I it's so i mean you know obviously it's very malleable it's also very like immediately identifiable um they they again use like what is at the core of this idea like the lego idea and like let's build our movie forgive the use of the word build there but like let's build our movie around the 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 principles at the core of why we all like lego yeah and god it really worked for them it did so this is of course uh, the interview portion of Advanced Community Studies, uh, and I am uh, thrilled to be joined uh, by uh, the inker of many fine comics, including uh, Crowded, which is one of my personal favorite books right now. Uh, Ted Brandt, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. It's a delight to be here. I, I'm very happy to have you. I remember, if I remember correctly, uh, we first kind of connected when I did that community characters as X-Men thread uh yes. which which brought a lot of interesting people into into my sphere which i'm very happy about um if i can use my two great obsessions for for <laughs> any good at all i'm i'm glad that that something came through it you know yeah and i i, I uh, although i haven't listened to all of the back episodes i uh, have did note that uh, you had jay edidin in there so another perfect person for the intersection of interests Exactly. Uh, yeah. And, and the, you know, I, I feel very privileged that like 
me doing this this dorky thing on the internet you know not only having a podcast about community but then doing that dumb thread has like brought people i admire into my into my sphere who's like work i really enjoy it's it's a, it's a great feeling and i'm very i'm very privileged to have you here today well i'm very happy very happy to hear that yes uh, so let's let's talk a little bit about your community journey. Uh, how did you uh, come to the show, and what is your story with the show? Ooh, right. Hang on, I'm just going to do some quick maths because if there's one thing I'm terrible at, it's remembering my own age and when things in my life happened. I understand that very clearly, actually. <laughs> I get so. That. The second time I went to university was 2009 to 2012. So it would have been the second year of that. Um, so 2010. Yeah, that's when I first saw Community. Wow. Uh, because so it was fairly it was fairly fresh at the time um, because a housemate of mine illegally downloaded it. <laughs> you know, being not only students, but students in England with no conceivable way of legally watching it. Then uh, I do what you got to do. Yeah. He, he was into community because he was a very big fan of Joel McHale's The Soup, which, I mean, he described to me as um, the closest thing Americans will ever get to a, uh, a British take on media, which I can sort of see. Interesting. That's how he described The Soup or, yes. or community? Okay. The Soup. Although I, I, I certainly would argue that community has more in common with a lot of British humor than it does a lot of American. I would absolutely agree. And, and you know, Dan Harmon will be the first person to tell you that, like, how much he loved Spaced, uh, yeah. which, you know, one of my uh, favorite shows. Uh, obviously, like, you start seeing guest stars from British television shows. So, like, once Matt Barry's in there, you're like, oh, okay. Like, I know <laughs> I know what shows he's been watching. Richard Iode directed a few episodes, yeah. you know. Um, so, obviously, he's a big fan of, of British TV. Yeah, but so then it, you know, said housemate uh, downloaded the first couple of episodes of Community and was like, and as soon as he watched it, it was like, you really need to watch this. And I did. And then it was like, wow, that's incredible. And then, of course, once he wasn't living there, I wasn't legally downloading Community. And so it kind of dropped off for a while until I don't remember, it was a couple of years later that it was like, it started showing up on Netflix over here. I was like, oh, okay. And yeah, since then, I've watched all of it multiple times, apart from the gas leak year, which I've watched once out of politeness. I uh, did the same until obviously very recently we covered it on the show. So most of yeah. that, I was like, oh, I haven't seen this in eight years. I wonder I wonder how this will play uh, versus when I was in, in uh, college, when I was watching it for the first time, you know? Yeah, gas leak year was fascinating because it's like a really almost clever community fanfic right it it has that fanfic tendency where i feel like the characters are always coming in and like reintroducing themselves and introducing like here's my trait that that so much like fan fiction has um yeah it, it also had this uh, the i mean one of the things that was really jarring was because Chevy Chase had successfully forced Dan Harmon out by making the network choose between the two of them. Suddenly, Pierce was still written exactly the same as he had been, but suddenly everyone was accusing him of being wise and virtuous, which was... 
yeah there's there's like a whole episode in the gas leak year where it's like well we can actually learn a lot from the this racist man he has much to teach us yeah and and he's not being the thing the thing that really got killed me with that was that pierce wasn't written any different and yet but everyone else was just suddenly going oh this font of wisdom among us we've never appreciated him everyone's perspective just like radically changed except for his he needed yeah. change nothing and everyone else is like hmm i see your value now yes yeah. I, I understand <laughs> we were overlooking you this whole time uh yes yeah. truly it was boomers who were the real under underappreciated heroes that's right uh yeah and they they uh skewer the the oh god what is what is Annie say in reference to like the boomers is like they're catering to your generation's historical vanity yeah. or something like, <laughs> like that um, your generation invented music I don't know about invented perfected maybe uh, <laughs> exactly absolutely. yeah phenomenal uh, so what are the characters or episodes that you gravitate to most Ooh, well, I mean, being autistic, I do have a very big soft spot for Abed. Sure. Though I, a part of me has never forgiven Dan Harmon for breaking his own promise to the audience. Because very, very early on, we had Abed say, don't do a special episode about me. And then they damn well did. They, they did. They've done at least one about, like, let's get to, like, the heart of Abed and it, yeah, it it doesn't always work because Abed, they they make the very clear choice of we are not going to attach a specific label to Abed, which no. you know on on one level I I respect because like once there's a label, like you are suddenly representing an entire underrepresented group of people, and on the other level, I'm like it is also a little cowardly for not wanting to like address it more head on i'm of two minds yeah i i'm very much the same like i see why they took the route they did and i think by and large they still really handle abed in a very good way but that that episode was a mistake because if you're going to be too cowardly to name which disorder abed is living with giving a whole episode explaining him and still not naming it is just a way of calling out your own cowardice while not addressing it. No, I, I definitely, definitely understand that. Right. When we covered that episode, I hadn't even remembered that, that moment where he's like, don't, don't do a special episode about me. And then lo and behold, two seasons later, here's a special episode about you. Right. And it, it yeah. just be, you know, like a lot of, characters on this show that could fall into specific zones Abed can really only be defined as Abed like he is he is his own unique being by virtue the same thing happens with the Dean uh who I also love but like yes. they again very specifically do not throw a label on him and they have a whole episode about how like no label is going to is going to stick to this guy i know i i i love all of the the small throwaway lines about that like when uh, leonard calls him a fruit and he just goes inappropriate hurtful and barely the whole truth <laughs> barely the entire truth <laughs> this uh, is great 
it's great. Or like if sexuality is a magic show and being gay is pulling a rabbit out of a hat, then I am one of those never ending handkerchiefs. It's <laughs> yeah. just those great, those, those excellent, excellent uh, moments. Yeah. Community's relationship with labels is interesting to, to say the least, I think. Yeah. Um, and there are, and as you point out, there, there are good and bad points with that because it does mean that they, they don't force any character to become the one representation which can lead to a lot of pigeonholing and also let's face it no matter what rep if you're the only character representing any given gender sexuality or um non-dominant ethnic group inevitably you're going to upset people if if you start the, the more you define it the the more you're going to cause upset Right. Absolutely. And, you know, Community is a show that definitely like trades in, you know, archetypes, you know, like in the the first episode, they're like, here's everyone. We're using these archetypes and then we're going to deepen them from from there. Uh, But somehow, you know, Troy does not become a representative for all jocks in the same way that like if you put a label on Abed suddenly and part of this is because we don't get a lot of characters on television that that um you know that that have abed's predispositions and uh obviously at this time uh big bang theory which you know I'm, <laughs> yeah you know that's usually the reaction from a community fan talking about big bang theory but they are also you know debuting at least one character around this time who would would uh, grapple with similar issues and i didn't watch enough of that show to know if they ever put a label on on sheldon either um Um, no they they skirted around it though they were he was much cleaner in as a representation of asperger's than abed Mm -hmm. like because but then that's or at least a stereotypical presentation because of course like i've i've got quite a few different like asperger's friends and all of us are you know the way Asperger's happens, like with most neurodivergences, it's person first, then disorder. So the manifestations of symptoms are so very different because like for me, I have empathy issues, should we say. I, I'm biologically not incapable, but very limited in my empathy. But I know Asperger's people who are hyper empathic. Mm-hmm. And so, like, you know, so Sheldon was what you'd, what you'd call a safe TV Asperger's guy, definitely. Though that I, I don't believe they named it explicitly, but, mm-hmm. but also a t- safe, safe, typical Asperger's guy is also kind of shitty because the, the joke is always just, he doesn't get people. Whereas at least Abed, especially with the not naming uh, what it is like or a combination of things he has going for him was always much more of a human being than Sheldon ever managed yeah I I agree with that we just we get so much of Abed's like worldview and and perspective beyond you know whether or not he he has Asperger's or 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 autism or or anything like we we get yeah. he is so his own character outside of yeah uh whatever whatever he he might have um, yeah. so I, I appreciate you 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 talking about this and you sharing yeah. this with us i mean like one thing's 
because I, I understand both arguments. There is a point for me where not naming it actually helps, I think, in the sense that it stops people focusing on what he's like, what he's got. Because actually, like, like I said, you know, among neurodivergent people, there's a, an infinite world of differences in terms of the way their symptoms manifest, like, and which symptoms of their particular differences they have, much less like, especially with like, then, yeah, when you factor in the personality stuff, which is independent of all of that. So by not labeling it, it meant that people wouldn't end up with expectations and would just take Abed as he came, which is a very useful thing because actually it's a really good model of how to deal with people who aren't neurotypical. Absolutely. Yeah. And it'd it be, you know, it's sort of this unfortunate byproduct of, well, we don't get a lot of characters that, that uh, are, are, are not neurotypical on, on shows, or at least ones that like would be portrayed in like a kind and, and empathetic way uh, of being the, the character first, you know, and, and suddenly, you know, you, you have these, Abed has to represent an entire group and and you're always going to run into problems when you only have like one character representing an entire group because suddenly when they do something shitty it, it reflects back on your entire group yeah. and, and anyone who is not you know a straight white male that has existed in any space basically will will tell you that that happens to real people as well like oh so you are the representative of your entire group and and uh, you know it's weird there's a lot of variance within those types of groups but we don't get that a lot of times no you, you need to in order to avoid being a monolith you either need to go very vague on the details or have a lot of them yeah <laughs> right not, not really any alternatives <laughs> right uh and the the true solution to this conundrum is more representation of of these types of characters but that's always remarkably slow going and you know i yeah. mean they kind of feel maybe i'm talking out of my ass here but both of these characters that we've been talking about abed and sheldon definitely have like a direct line descendants from like moss on the it crowd or something like oh that. yeah like it definitely feels like there is this they are responses to this previous character um community definitely at 100 percent um yeah i'd absolutely. be very surprised if uh, the big bang theory creators had watched any british tv because based on the rest of that show it might have gone over their head <laughs> they they the the jokes sometimes in british tv you know they're not the most obvious thing in the entire world so they might yeah. have missed it <laughs> they might have missed the subtleties of what was going on here without wanting to be too mean that show feels like it's written by me by mediocre people who uh, think they're smart yeah i mean yeah we've all seen the like i mean it's just my least favorite kind of joke of like it here is a reference and that's that's it you know and and community is obviously a show that tracks in in references the episode we're nominally here to discuss is no uh, uh stranger from its own references but like they've taken the references and they've transformed them and they've used them to like increase the language of what is happening um yeah. you know even like starburns running around in a zardoz costume is it that's exactly like, what i thought of one it's a good joke like it's 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 a good i'm glad we reminded everyone that that costume exists but also it like that reference helps you if you're familiar with zardoz like it gives you a key 
to help unlock the rest of the episode of like what we're doing, the language that we are speaking cinematically. Yeah. Um, that, that helps a lot. I mean, the difference between the way the two shows handle reference is that community uses it as additive mm-hmm. and Big Bang Theory is subtractive because Big Bang Theory, the reference is the sum total of the thing. So if you don't get the reference, it takes away. Whereas community, you can miss the reference and it'll be fine because it's still, it's still Starburns wearing a silly suit that everyone's right. laughing at. And that's but, funny. <laughs> yeah. But then if you know who Zardoz, then it becomes additive. Exactly. If you are familiar with like 60s and 70s sci-fi movies, like this, this episode unlocks in a whole new way, but it's still interesting to people that I'm sure have not watched logan's run or or any yeah. number of, of things that this is referencing you know the the western paintball episode is good whether or not you specifically get that like troy is dressed as cleavon little from blazing saddles and and abed is dressed as clint eastwood like you don't you don't need to understand that but it is no. nice when you get it yeah exactly and it's one of the reasons why community is such a great show because it's incredibly reference dense by most standards but it never makes them necessary to understand what's going on absolutely uh so uh when i when i came to you about guesting you had kind of the last season and a half to to choose from and you you zeroed in on this episode so i'm wondering what about this episode leaps out to you specifically it's one of it is one of my all-time favorites it really is um at the heart of it, I think one of the reasons I really like it is because it's a it, it's one of the it's one of the best Jeff Shirley episodes that exist. Mm-hmm. Poss- I, I I I would argue the best, and it's fantastic because it it's got that classic winger thing of fighting the good fight for entirely the wrong reasons. Yeah. It it's got Shirley, you know doing what she does best as a character, which is trying desperately to be remembered and getting that wrong. It, like, it's both of them living down to their worst while aiming for their best. Right, yeah. Which is always a joy. And Absolutely. I mean, Britta's, Britta's whole thing in it is just absolute magic. Yeah, it's it completely phenomenal. The like the the mustard smear, the Che Guevara, you know, like beret. Uh, it's it's uh, incredible stuff. But yeah, Jeff and Shirley is one of the show's like most potent dynamics, but one that the show sadly does not go to all that often. Like once a season, they're like, "Here's a Jeff and Shirley episode," and that always pays out dividends. But I probably chalk it up to how much like Shirley is underwritten and underutilized on this show yeah, um, I, that I mean, like we don't get it that often there's also what a point that um I can't remember I'm so sorry which of the three of you made this in one of your earliest episodes um about the fact that it, it was about Shirley being a gossip um it, mm-hmm. um and yeah they're saying you know although that really makes her interesting and rounds right you can't go to it too much because otherwise it you know ends up defining the character and come, come, it will lead to her being a source of problems. And it and I think it's a similar thing with Jeff and Shirley because they are very, very similar people. 
albeit with different expression of those similarities. But if you go to that well too often, it will inevitably either be too close or too clashing. Yeah, no, that's 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 true. It keeps the you know the well fresh if you only go to it so often, because otherwise you you run the risk of like scraping it dry. Um, yes. Yeah. And, you know, part of it's just that, like, well, I wish Shirley had more to do on the television yeah. show community. Oh, yeah. And I would strongly agree with you there. But I'm not sure that necessarily giving her more with Jeff than she got would have been the answer. Yeah, but that makes sense. I understand. But, um, but yeah, this, uh, like, this episode, just absolute wonderful clash of these two very, very similar people. And, but it shows that, like, again, because they both want the same thing, which is control, mm -hmm. because they, and they both want it for the same reason, because they're afraid of who they are without it and whether they'll be left behind. That's why both of them seek control. And so seeing them clash over that, but in very different ways, is just, it's wonderful character dynamics. Yeah, absolutely. It's 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 just it's really it's great every time they use it. Uh, and then obviously you have like beyond these two a series of great, basically running jokes like throughout the the rest of the yeah the episode. Um, like uh, Annie, early adopter Edison, first to jump on any bandwagon. <laughs> That's right. Uh, and and uh, Hickey's like birthday runner. Uh, and the introduction of Kugler, who is, is one of my favorite characters. Uh, it's it's all good stuff. Yeah, I mean, Annie's bit in this was fantastic because it, it just really makes me think a lot of um, the uh, the episode shooting um, the school's commercial. Yeah. But it's, it's exactly the same thing of Annie can be very quickly bribed with a shiny thing and then just falls down the rabbit hole to the point where she's unrecognizable. She can um, be bribed with responsibility. She, she yeah. can she can be bribed if like you are putting her managerial and, and organizational skills at the forefront. She is if there is a tyrant, she is the one next to him holding a clipboard every single yeah. time. Absolutely, and it's just great because yeah, she falls into that role and that hole so quickly every time, and and it's a really interesting thing because she's a former addict and so having this thing of her very quickly falling into stuff is a it, it's a really interesting thing because it wouldn't necessarily work for someone else yeah potentially but it it does you know it plays to who she is that she is strong and she's determined but like a locomotive being strong and determined all all you need is someone to pull one little lever and it goes off the, onto the wrong track Right. Yeah. She is a, a creature of hyperfixation, right? And and yeah. once that manifested as like a, a pill addiction, but in other ways it's manifested as like the the honor roll student, the captain of the debate team. The there's there's any number of, of instances <laughs> where that same like drive has led to any number of different conclusions and outcomes. I think my f my favorite line that has directly resulted from this exact thing was, uh, "Are you familiar with Stockholm syndrome? Did mm -hmm. the dean invent it? Because if not, I don't care." <laughs> uh, so good. Uh, that's a fucking great episode. The, yeah. the commercial shooting episode. God bless it. 
Amazing. But yeah, um, so Annie's one of the small but really, really well done parts in this. It gives gives you just enough of her to you. The, I mean, it, 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 this episode excels at what community does best, which is it gives you just enough to absolutely see a full arc of something where they have no intention of providing the intermediary jumps. Like where we go from day one of Meow Meow Beans to day eight. And you can see the whole arc of how they got from just Garrett bossing Starburns around to, you know, this whole Logan's Run inspired nightmare. But they don't need to show it. And the single best expression of that, in fact, the best expression of it the show has ever managed is Jeff Winger's stand-up routine. Oh my God. That like he's doing like bad '90s stand-up comedy, but like this world they've created, this Meow Meow yeah. Beans world, is it has its own like depth and inside jokes and yeah. stereotypes. Exactly, and so not only does he does this one little comedy set like round out everything because it fills in a lot of the missing seven days, but yeah. also you've got this incredible thing going on where it's a genuinely funny routine because it, it gives you just enough of the world and you've been given just enough of the world that it all makes sense to you and you laugh. But also, it's, it's, a, it's clearly a half-hour set and you get, what, a minute and a half of it? Right. Two minutes, maybe? And yet you know everything that's gone in those intermediary bits, which it's, is clever. It's, it's a great writing tactic of like you're hinting at something larger but like you are doing all the clever moves to avoid having to like show it and and create it yeah i mean it's what a lot of smart media does like um it's that broad brush calligraphy Uh, because i I saw someone describe um it was the characterization in um pacific rim Mm. as broad brush calligraphy rather than detailed notes and I like I, details, like the the idea that like most movies would give you a detailed typewritten dossier on the characters, and this gives you just this beautiful calligraphy that hints at everything, and right. uh, and that's the sort of vibe community goes for, and is it's a much better show for having done it, because you can because if you if you only go for that broad brush stuff as well, it means you can get a lot more in because you have you can not devote anywhere near as much time to just explaining the nonsense. Absolutely, yeah, because that just kills your momentum if you have to stop and you have to re-explain yeah. everything. And it you 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 have to find ways around that. That like using Pacific Rim, like there's a moment where we go to like a market that's inside a dead kaiju or something, and you're like, this is so evocative and interesting. But to yeah. stop and explain this to me would like kill the magic oh, yeah. of watching it happen. Yeah, it's it's the best writing never gives you enough time to sit there and go hang on this is dumb (laughs) and Greendale has to operate on that principle it has to keep giving you stuff because the second you break that flow unless you're already completely invested you're just going to sit there and go that's ridiculous (laughs) that's what are you talking about this is happening at a college people don't do this like but but community gives you just enough you can see how they could absolutely 
yeah no it's uh it's fantastic it's just the, it's great evocative like sci-fi storytelling but they're doing it in a 21 and a half minute tv episode about a mobile phone app um it's impressive what they can get done and the track that they can lay in such a short span of time yeah i mean or take um david and bixel they're mm. great examples of not only just throwaway characters but also of this broad brush calligraphy thing because just bixel having that ding and saying i have to go number two soon like that tells you so much about him and like some of that is in the acting and some of it is in the writing but the two between the two of them you can tell a hell of a lot about bixel just from that absolutely it's it's yeah just great characterful stuff i i i love it truly um so we are coming to the end of our our session here uh why don't you tell the the good people out there uh where they can find your work and where they can follow you on that their internet well i mean i'm on lots of different social media things but the only one i'm ever any good at checking is twitter so um at 10 as in it's the number but in letter for i'm, I'm explaining this badly 10 underscore bandits um all words no numbers um yeah that that is that cogent? I'm very bad at explaining my Twitter thing for some no, reason. No, I think it I think it checks out. Ten <laughs> underscore bandits. Yeah. But yeah. it's the it's the the word ten and not the not the numeral. Yeah, no, it checks out. Cool. Uh, yeah, I, I always get really paranoid about that because it itself is based on a complete misunderstanding of my name. Yeah. And that that misunderstanding has followed through into every time I try and explain it to people. <laughs> so, <laughs> misunderstanding has never been understood. It keeps being yeah. re-misunderstood. Yeah, it's it seems to be just this general curse at the moment. Um, <laughs> like, yeah, because someone once misread my name, Ted Brandt, as Ten Bandits, and that's phenomenal. It's incredible. Wish my I've, name was Ted Bandits. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so yeah, that's that's me there and. As far as my work, uh, you can find volumes one and two of Crowded in all good comic shops and all bad Amazon sites uh, <laughs> currently. But volume three is very close to being done. We will have a release date some point soon. Oh my goodness. So excited. Yeah, We'll be teasing the, the final trade cover um, a little bit this week. It's, it's not finished either, but we're going to have the finished line art at least, so... That'll be done. Um, the only other thing I've got that's particularly current is the DC Pride uh, anthology that's coming out in Pride Month in June, where Ro and I have a short story with the very wonderful <clears throat> Pied Piper. Oh. Written by the excellent Cena Grace. Oh, that's fantastic. And lettered by Aditya Bidikar, which was very nice. So yeah, um, I highly recommend everybody check that out because the Pride anthology is wonderful. It's full of all, it's a celebration of all of DC's queer characters and it's exclusively uh, staffed by queer editors and creatives. That's so fantastic. If you, if you buy, if you buy this, not only is it a lot of very good stories and fantastic work, but it also, you know, it goes a long way to showing DC that actually these things are valued. People so, do care about this. Exactly. And... So please, please go and buy many copies. 
I don't care what you do with them afterwards, but just buy them. Just buy them. That's that's all we need is the numbers. And then exactly. you know, read them if you like. But... Yeah. Uh, buy enough, build a house out of them. Build, build a tiny house. I say go for it. Thank you uh, for joining This has been a talk back podcast. That was quite a show. Very entertaining. Please tell your friends about this show. Boopy doopy doop boop sex. Larry, I'm on DuckTales.